Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So, are these your notes? These. <laughs> these are your notes about what we're going to say? Uh, anything. It's it. a short answer. <laughs> so how many novels did you not finish? Oh my from? God, so many. <laughs> Perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. Yeah. You heard it here first. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie, and joining me today, all the way from across the pond, is the Bent Agency's own Claire Draper. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. I'm actually really excited to chat with you because I've had a lot of agents on the podcast, but never a US-based agent. So I'm kind of interested to see uh, if everything sort of runs the same or it's a little bit different. Um, So let's kick off in the most logical place, the beginning. When did you know you wanted to work in books and publishing? It's funny. Um... I, my story was like, oh, I always not knew I wanted to work in books. And that was what I'd been telling people. But recently my parents shipped a bunch of my like old, like binders and yearbooks and whatever to me. Um, and I was like putting them away and trying to find space for them and my partners in my new apartment. And I found a like letter I'd written to like one of my teachers so that they could write a letter of recommendation for like NYU or whatever. And in this, I write about how much I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be involved with books. Mm. And, um, it's funny that like the writing is like very, like, you know, I was 16 and it's very like passionate and, and not like the most, beautifully structured but it's like there's so much passion there um but I I always knew not always I knew from like much earlier than most people I was like you know 14 15 I wanted to work in books and I I used to want to write I used to want to be a writer I wrote a lot of fan fiction in high school and then I was like I'm gonna write my own original books and blah 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 and that was the plan until I was like, I don't know that I, A, have enough ideas to pay the bills and um, I would need a job in between. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get a job in publishing. And at the time when I was going through college, the We Need Diverse Books um, conversation was happening and like lots of other conversations, especially in the children's book space that I was very aware of as someone who was still very much reading why reading and enjoying YA. So I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in publishing. And then it kind of sorted itself out that I wanted to be on the agenting side eventually and yada, yada, yada. But I was like, I want to be involved with books. Cause at some point I realized not necessarily that my ideas for books were bad, but <laughs> other people have such great ideas and s- execute them so beautifully that I wanted to help them get there. Um, So 
And I wanted to pay the bills. So, you know, <laughs> not not that anyone in agenting or at least anyone my level or younger gets paid so well. But, you know, we wanted uh, I, I was like, I need a paycheck. So um, yeah. that was my compromise. Um, I, I did what I set out to do for sure. Yes. In a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah, I think in my experience, that's everyone that works in publishing. It's always a roundabout way. It's very rare that someone goes straight there. They knew exactly what they wanted to do and they hit the bullseye straight away. Yeah, I very much knew I wanted to work in and around publishing because I think like I had so many books on my shelves. And, you know, if you have an author lined up on a shelf, at some point you notice that like all of the um, publisher imprint logos at the bottom of the book um, are all the same. You're like, mm. oh, this person gets published by Avon. What's Avon? Or this person gets published by Little Brown. What's Little Brown? So at some point I became, I, as like a teenager, I became very aware of like what imprints and publishing houses were and down the rabbit hole from there. <laughs> yeah. That's a young age to be aware of those kinds of things, I think. Yeah. Most people don't even know what a literary agent is uh, until they've, uh, tried to get a job already in publishing oh yeah i think i was in a group slack with um a bunch of like young young agents and whatever and we're like how do you guys explain what your job is to people who don't know what a literary agent is and everyone had a bunch of different answers and like you know i'm a real estate agent but for books or i <laughs> i think the one i always use is like movie stars have agents authors need agents you know mm -hmm. like same thing a very different relationship though very different relationship. And also people's eyes kind of glaze over if you start to be like, you know, I, I like start to break down the mechanics of it unless they're like yeah. very genuinely interested in books. So once you had your degree, you were ready to go. What was your approach to getting a foot in the door? Well, I mean, while I was getting my degree, I had summers off and also time in the year because I was I went to school at NYU. So, you know. A lot of other people, they may go to school elsewhere and there's not necessarily a publishing scene, but part of my intent was publishing is in, in New York City and that's why part of why I wanted to go to NYU. So mm. my first internship was when I was home for a summer in Los Angeles at this small independent publishing house. Um, and they were quirky and weird and they kind of, you know, they were, I think, a team of like three or four people. So when you're that small, you do everything. Yeah. Um, and it was super fun to like kind of get to learn that way. And then they helped me get um, an internship at um, an agency the kind of following year. Um, and, you know, I know most people are like, oh, I interned for a semester. And I was like, you know, I was, I kind of was a barnacle and I just stayed around for the <laughs> whole school year um, uh, at the um, next place, which was Inkwell Management, also where I got my first job. So that was my junior year. And then senior year, I took off and just focused on my schoolwork and graduated and got a job at the Strand and then, which is our famous bookstore here, bookstore chain, actually, um, here in the city. And then got a, like, was interviewing on my days off. And I think I interviewed at HarperCollins one day, or I was, I was interviewing at HarperCollins in various jobs. Um, and they were kind of like, you know, they, I think they had positions open in marketing and publicity. And I was like, you know, that sounds nice, but I kind of wanted to work 
much earlier on in the process. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up, I ended up interviewing at my agency in the morning one day and I had a follow-up interview with Harper Collins in the afternoon, but the agency Inkwell management, I interviewed and then they offered me the job. And then I emailed Harper Collins to be like, I got a job. I'm not coming to the interview this <laughs> afternoon. Um, which I, I'm sure my life would have gone in a very different direction had I taken that interview in the afternoon and considered them both at the same time or whatever. But I, I was very determined to kind of work with books on the earlier side. Um, yeah. And Inkwell, I already knew the people there. Like, you know, I, I, I was just, uh, I'm one of the, um, my old colleagues there. She and I are working on a book together right now we have on submission. So like, you know, all those people I'm not super in touch with because of the pandemic, but I was stopping by the yeah. office even, even after I left. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's quite, it, it, in many ways, it's a small industry publishing whilst being like stretched globally across the world. But, um, that's really nice that you made that connection. You still have that connection with the, the place that kind of started, you started up. Yeah, very much so. The, I like a lot of the books and my experiences there are like very formative ones and stuff like that. Well, so far it sounds kind of similar to in the UK in terms yeah, of the way oh. that you've got into the industry. It's, you've just got to throw yourself at it. You've got to love it. You've got to just take every opportunity you can and just go for it. Yeah, it's pretty much how you get a job in any industry across the board mm -hmm. is um, it's generally generally the same sort of deal. And now that you are an agent. Yeah. Full time. Uh, you are repping picture books, middle grade, young adult, graphic novels and adult. Yeah. How where, where do you find the time in the day? <laughs> I, I, I think my partner wonders that for sure. Um, but <laughs> No, I mean, I, it's funny, a chunk of graphic novels on my list, you know, it's like, I sign a graphic novel and like, it's, it's not like a picture book where you can turn it around and it's done in the, the like labor, the author or illustrator's labor is done in six months or a year. A graphic novel can take two, three years, um, yeah. give or take. So and then sometimes, you know, that's not just one person on a project, that's two or more. So yeah, I don't necessarily always have the time in the day, but <laughs> I think um, also other, uh, I, I am very fascinated, kind of sign the books that I genuinely enjoy for pleasure. I know some other agents are like, oh, I work on middle grade for my job, but I really like adult thriller or whatever, but and that's how they separate like work life and personal life or whatever. But for me, I, I always wanted to work on the books that I thought needed to be in the world and that I genuinely enjoyed. So like, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really have very much middle grade prose on my list. Um, and YA prose, I think I have a handful of authors who do that and they do keep me busy. Um, and a lot of my graphic novels, are spread out across the age ranges. And then the adult books, you know, they're nonfiction. So I sell those on proposal um, a majority of the time. But, you know, I, I think other people, their jobs are nine to six and they're like, you know, counting the hours until they get to clock out or they're counting the hours until lunch happens. And for me, I'm like, you know, this is, this is always what I wanted to do. I wake up thinking about work. I go to sleep thinking about work, not, and not in an unhealthy way, but I'm just like, 
oh, I'm so excited I get to talk about XYZ with an editor tomorrow, or yeah. I get to reading a book that like didn't exist before my client wrote it. Um, and like, there's still some sort of magic and joy for that in me. Um, so yeah, I, time in the day is, you know, there are only 24 hours and we all, and, and, you know, it's funny. Some, some people say we all have the same 24 hours. I'm like, we don't, we don't. (laughs) Beyonce has a different 24 hours than, you know, like a single, single parent in, um, like, uh, a minimum wage job there it is yeah. different but i think it's also you know making time for joy and also making things accessible like some of people some agents i know still keep track of their submissions on like a pad of paper wow and i'm like i use a spreadsheet and even then i'm trying to figure out how to move a bunch of my data over to like a project management software so like things are automated um so like you know there are all sorts of different different things, but I am like, I am the type of person who I'm like, I need to make this more efficient because technology is too good at this point for us not to make this more efficient. Yeah. It'll help you out in the long run. Yeah. You know, I'm like it hand hands, like dictating or like copying and pasting all your submission emails is so time consuming rather than just doing like a mail merge or like a, a you know, like a mail blast that automatically fills in names, which in some ways is impersonal, but I can hand hand change if I think an editor needs a specific note, but I am very much for streamlining things to do a more efficient job. That definitely makes sense. We are in 2022. I don't need to hand hand dictate emails. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Mixing things up a bit. Mm -hmm. As someone who spends most of their time surrounded by the UK literary publishing scene. Do you have any overseas clients? Whole, whole bunch of them. I think the kind of interesting thing about being an agent is sometimes you're signing a client and you're like, this client will do well in a specific market. Um, Here in the U S like picture books, it's really helpful when the author or illustrator can go to schools um, and the same is true for middle grade. The school and library market is a big factor here. But also, kind of the nice thing about being an agent is, you know, and specifically um, as things kind of continue to evolve and doing things virtually, but, you know, I, I can sign clients all over the world and it's not an issue. I think the only time it's an issue when you're trying, this happen like is happening right now, is when you're trying to client coordinate a meeting between a marketing person who's in the UK or the East coast, a client who's in Australia and a (laughs) illustrator who's in Hawaii. Uh (laughs) I'm like, those are all the wrong, like all mismatched time zones. I think someone's waking up at 5. AM someone's staying up until 1. AM and (laughs) I like, I think I'm taking a call on a Saturday. Like, I'm like, we're, we're all not doing things. We we're, yeah. we're all working at weird times for that specific call. But, um, you know, I, I do sign clients all over the world. Cause I think especially a large lot part of my list is graphic novels and publishers aren't too particular about making sure the author slash illustrator creator is present for book signings. Cause that's not as much of a factor in sales, when it comes to graphic novels. 
So you can have someone who's anywhere in the world. Um, and a lot of my colleagues, um, both in the U S and in the UK have clients all over the world. Like, you know, I have, I have, um, a client in LA who's working on with a client in the UK on a graphic novel we're going out with soon. Um, I have a client in India who's working on, um, a picture book with beaming books is a independent publisher in Minnesota. So like, you know, we, there's kind of no limit to signing a person, um, especially in the technologically advanced age. You know, if someone had to like mail a manuscript, I could see that being um, a sort of hindrance, but you know, we have, we have, we have email. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, with, with one of the things to come out of the last few years is that everyone's now been forced to be very on top of virtual meetings and zoom and all these, all these bits and bobs. Yeah. Well, and the vent agency was largely kind of doing that beforehand because um, we have an office in the UK, we have an office in the U S but we very much operate as one office. We're not like independent branches. Um, Uh And the head of our agency, Jenny was, has always been based not in New York or at least for a long time um, ever since she founded the agency. So to my recollection. So we are very much an office that we're like, live where you want to live. We're all going to show up virtually for zoom. So I know the rest of the world was like, how, what is this zoom thing in March, (laughs) 2020? But we were like, Oh yeah, we've been, we've been using it for a while. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Like, yeah, for sure. You guys hit the ground running. We, it will, and our agency was built to it. Cause I think, um, not just having sort of two offices, but having people who very much valued like time and space and, you know, their family time and getting away from your work and stuff. So that was one of the things I particularly liked because when I was looking for a kind of different job and stuff like, or different agency, I was like, you know, my family's in California. I want to be able to fly to California on a whim Mm -hmm. for a grandmother's 80th birthday or for a cousin's graduate high school graduation. Like that was, that was stuff that I, I'm super sentimental. That's stuff that's way important to me. And so I wanted to be able to do that and not be hindered by, Oh, you have to be at your desk nine to five, whether you're actually working. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) sure. So do you, if you receive a submission, you open it up Mm -hmm. and you see that the author is from somewhere overseas that doesn't, affect how you approach the submission at all? I usually don't even notice where they are until I'm requesting to have a call with them and I want to sign them. And I'm like trying to figure out where in the world they are and <laughs> what time I need to set up a call. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Very, very rarely does that like have a bearing for, for me, at least I know other agents do other books or different types of books and that may matter. But for me, Mm -hmm. it certainly doesn't. And to the best of my knowledge, for most people in the U S it doesn't matter. Um, uh, is like, again, depending on the book and depending on like writing capabilities and stuff like that, or like, you know, working in translation, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, um, because a, so much of what I'm signing is visual, um, is a graphic novel, but you know, people, um, people's English is quite good. Um, so I don't even, especially in something that they've written and like 
can can craft. So I most of the time don't even know that they're I I I don't even know where they're based until I'm looking at their bio and I'm like, oh, they're based in um, Singapore. Okay, good to know. Um, and again, really has no bearing um, until I'm trying to figure out when I'm at what point in the day I'm having a call with them. Oh, okay. Have you got one of those clocks that has all of the different time zones on it? Oh, very funny. No, but <laughs> if you search Google and you're like this time zone to this time zone, there are a couple of websites that like you can plug in, like, oh, yeah, like it'll show, those. it'll show you all of the times throughout the day for both of yours and you yeah, can figure yeah. out what works. But yeah, I was trying to find an app for that last couple of days ago. And I'm like, cause <laughs> mental math is not my, it is my strong suit for like me figuring out what time it is for my family in California. Otherwise I'm like, I, again, still, still great, but like trying to do three time zones and no, not, not. Helpful. Yeah. 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 When you're thinking in all these different and you're going to mix them up and say, Oh, I've done it many yeah. times. <laughs> um, speaking of submissions, uh, the bent agency submission mm-hmm. pack is short, short blurb about the author, the query section, and then the first 10 pages, which is around 10,000 words, I imagine, in most cases. Yeah. But no synopsis. And I know that in most UK agencies, that a synopsis is always asked for as part of the submission package. Is that not as common in the US? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's not necessarily, it's not as common, but also we have such a variety of submissions. So like a handful of my colleagues work on picture books, a handful of my colleagues work on middle grade. So it feels a little funky to ask for a synopsis when like the plot is kind of obvious. Um, yeah, sure. Or you're like, I'm writing a romance novel. They're going to end up together. Like that's not the, you know, <laughs> the synopsis is happily ever after. So um, I, you know, and like an, a couple of my colleagues are on query manager um, and I am as well. So like, I think I, I don't necessarily, I don't ask for a synopsis, but I do ask for you to do an elevator pitch. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think that to me is more helpful, like, like n- really narrowing down what you envision sort of the quick pitch of your book. Um, but I think like my colleagues and I, and I think this is true of every agent is we're all looking for different things when we're trying to suss out whether or not this is something we want to work on. Um, but yeah, in, in the U S synopsis, I've definitely found is not required though. I I think some agents might be tending that way. Um, again, don't, don't quote me on that, but I, (laughs) I found that like, uh, some people are finding that they're like, I was disappointed, appointed by this point in the plot, but you know, I had to read a hundred pages to figure that out. Um, so I don't know if we're going to tend that way, but generally kind of the idea for the U S is, you know, query letter, 10 pages or first chapter or whatever it is. Um, and your bio and that's pretty much it. 
to the best of my knowledge, but that, you know, every agency kind of does something a little different in terms of what they ask for. So, sure. and then, and then every agent as well will have their own approach to what they're oh, looking yeah. for. And then what you, do you ask for the synopsis when you ask for the full manuscript? Um, I do some, sometimes it, a lot of what I'm at, I am reviewing is graphic novels. So there's kind of a synopsis in that anyways, because they've, they or or at least a summary of the book because, you know, they can't have drawn 300 pages on spec. Mm. Um, Mm. So that will, that tends to be included in those, those sorts of works instead. Um, Sometimes I ask for a synopsis. It sort of depends on whether or not I can envision where the book is going or based on the sum based on the query if i think the plot is going to need that work sure yeah so it, it depends and um when you do open your submissions sit down to to go through them is there anything that you're really like that jumps out at you in a query letter i think it's just original ideas i think i you know I consume a lot of content. I think we all are right now because, mm-hmm. and we all have been in the last couple of years, but like I watch a chunk of TV. I read a lot of, I, I read a lot of variety when it comes to genre. Um, and I've also always been the kind of person um, who will watch something and kind of have the ending figured out very early on. It's very rare. You surprise me and I don't need to be surprised, but I like it when something feels brand new. Um, And sometimes authors hear that and they get afraid and they're like, but this exists and this exists. Um, I, I like it when something feels like specifically, like if you're a person who, whose type of story hasn't been told, like there's this book coming out. I can't remember the name. Um, but there's this romance novel coming out and it's a trans love story and it's like historical period piece, I want to say. And I am so freaking excited about it because I can't, uh, you know, even trying to find queer romance novels, queer adult romance novels doesn't really exist, especially period piece ones, especially with a trans character. Like there are so many layers to that, that I'm like, this just kind of doesn't exist. And it hits all of like, all of the checkboxes. Um, and you know, there is also something to be said for, I've read this a million times and I want to read it a million and one times. Um, but I think I, I just get excited about like a story that sounds joyful. Um, I, I am genuinely a person who's like, I love love. I love joy. I love a happy ending. Even if there is like some sort of tension or emotions that happened throughout. I'm, I'm a person who, um, I love happy endings and I love crazy plot lines. I love intrigue. I love, but I, I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I'm someone who, um, I love a good story. I don't necessarily need to be surprised. I, I just, I want to be excited. Um, I want to be excited in the way that like everyone is excited about our flag means death. And it's funny because different people I mention, like I've been trying to sell this TV show to everyone, um, <laughs> though it kind of sells itself. Um, and some people I mentioned Taika Waititi is in it. And 
they're like, oh, I'm sold. Or they're like, I'm like, it's our flag means death, but pirates. And they're like, oh, I'm sold. And other people, I'm like, it's gay pirate fan fiction. (laughs) And they actually fall in love. And they're like, okay, great, I'm sold. And other people, I'm like, I I was telling one of my clients, because she, um, my client Jess, she is, she likes, you know, a variety of things, but her wife specifically likes action, blood, car chases, the whole nine yards. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is going to have the action, blood and guts that your wife likes, but going to have the romance, comedy, good storytelling that you, you enjoy and it's comedy and there are gay and non-binary characters. I was like, this is the show for you too. <laughs> you, you missed the pitch that would get me, all you'd have to say is Reese Darby's in it. Oh, Reese Darby. Oh. But it's funny because <laughs> not every, globally people don't know Reese Darby, but like, I don't sure. know that the U.S. does as well. Or if they do, they're like, and he's the guy from that one movie. You know, like they, he <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, and this is not necessarily a super different role for him, but like. His acting in this, so crisp and, like, just entertaining. It feels like what the um, the um, stupid character in the second Harry Potter book, the professor, what's his name? Oh. Um, you know who I'm talking about. What's his name? I know who you're talking about. He's the he's the pompous one who all he knows is memory charms, and he's been stealing everyone's credit for Flash years. Home? Yes, Lockhart, Lockhart. Lockhart, that's it. Flash Lockhart. Yeah, so Professor Lockhart, um, he is Professor Lockhart, but a good person and kind of naive who wants to become a pirate. Anyways, um, (laughs) but it's like that same character of like handsome, but a little bit of a dimwit. Um, (laughs) It's an excellent archetype. I love that character. It's an excellent archetype. Um, Yeah, and so, you know, I think I, I get excited about like, you know, like checking different boxes in weird ways in terms of submissions. Most of my clients are queer. So like I I like I like getting submissions that are joyful queer stories. Um, my client Johnny, they when they submitted their first book to me, and it was originally titled Sunshine and Moonlight, now it's fifteen hundred miles from the sun. When they submitted that book to me, they comped it to one day at a time. And I don't even think I read the rest of the query. I think I saw that they comped it to one day at a time. And I immediately scrolled to the um, like first 10 pages wow. and read that and immediately requested. I was like, I don't even, and I might've like scrolled back to read the query at, at some point, but I was like, I, you comped it to one of my favorite TV shows and <laughs> I am on board. So you know, sometimes it's a kismet thing like that, but I think for me specifically, I like joyful stories and one day at a time was such a perfect comp because there, there are emotions in that show. They do deal the reboot anyways, they deal with like heavy themes sometimes. And, you know, the mom goes off her meds or the daughter is dealing with sexual orientation and gender stuff. And um, like the brother is like, like all of everyone in the family deals with like very heavy things, but it's always in the way a sitcom, like a family sitcom handles things. And you're like, Oh, there's, there 
like you guys handled in a joyful way and we're all going to like hug each other and support each other kind of thing. Not, not I don't want it in a false way. I want it in a, you know, like yeah. your supported way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think 1500 miles from the sun does that. Cause like, n- spoiler alert, um, <laughs> the main character's dad is not great and doesn't support him and ends up kicking him out. But the, main character has such a solid group of friends and a sister and a grandfather who all are rally behind him. And there's clearly so much love. Like there's clearly so much love and joy in this book, um, even through the heartbreak. And I think that is always what I'm looking for is like sort of the light and the darkness kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. cause that's also where I, that's where I am mentally, like, you know, a shitty thing can happen and I'm like, well, at least I got to eat a spoonful of peanut butter today, or at least, you know, I got to go, go to the discount store and buy Lisa Frank stickers, you know? Um, yeah. like I'm, I'm very much like looking for the joy in the small moments where you can find it. Yeah. I think, and I think the, the key takeaway there is when authors are looking to submit to agents, do your research. Because as you said, you essentially asked for the rest of the manuscript based off a single comp that was put in the in the query. Yeah. And again, like how could anyone know that that is why I love one day at a time? But and and again, so so kismet. But I think I I, I get people look, I, I specifically have on my sort of like requirements is like I don't want suicide ideation or eating disorders or mm-hmm. sexual assault or and I think there's maybe one other thing but gratuitous violence yeah gratuitous violence and you know people see that and they're like oh but a character does this and does that and I'm like you know this is really to filter out like sort of the big heavy hitting stuff mm-hmm. um that I was getting in my inbox but I think it's that is more indicative of you know it's not so much that hard things can't happen in a book, but I really want for me and my, the stories I'm looking for the focus to be like joy, healing, happiness. Um, And again, not that she things can't happen, but I like the um, on our flag means death. Like a lot of the characters, the hard things they're dealing with are not, like I think of the non-binary character, Jim, they're, they're not dealing with stuff about their gender. They're dealing with stuff about the fact that they're like, they have, um, a a price on their head. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm looking for characters to have problems that have nothing to do with who they are, or if it does, there's like, there's still joy to be found. I get, it's really hard to, for me specifically to read a, like, the 10th query where, you know, it's like this person has an eating disorder and their dad kicked him out and they want to commit suicide and there's no hope left in the world. I'm like, I get that the genuine feelings, genuine things that happen to people, but you know, yeah. I'm, and, and there is definitely a merit to having those stories exist, but I tend to want, especially cause most of what I work on is kids books. I want I want kids to know that like there's a light at the end of the tunnel that like, yeah, your bully sucks, but you know, you can also go TP his house, you know, <laughs> or like your grandparent passed away and that's 
that's awful, but it's okay to, um, like tell your cousin, you're struggling, your older cousin, you're struggling or, you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah, there's a place for those other books, but it's probably a different agent. It's not, not on your list really. Correct. And, and, you know, I, I just want people to know there's, there's, there's light to be found in dark times and stuff like that. So. And a, a lovely thought to kind of round that off with. Yeah. So April, 2022. Yes. Are you currently open to submissions? I'm open to submissions. Um, I'm, uh, I've been open since January or like, I think I may have opened prematurely like days before Christmas <laughs> of last year. Um, but yeah, my goal for this year is to stay open throughout the year. Okay. Uh, cause I feel like people who like, I, I want people to not worry that like, oh, I have to finish this manuscript cause Claire's going to close in two weeks. My goal is to stay open for the rest of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't want people to rush out there. I don't want people to rush, but I also want people to feel like they have access without needing a referral or a sparkly mm. award or something like that, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I was going to ask, are there any particular styles or characters that you're looking to add to your list this year? But I feel like we've quite thoroughly covered what you're after. (laughs) We have nailed that. I think if you're like, I, you know, I, I continue to want joyful queer romance and things like that. That's, you know, and the quirkier it is, the more I'm going to like it. Amazing. I, I, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm always drawn towards quirky things. You tell me it's quirky, I'm like, oh, I'm interested. <laughs> That's it. Um, brilliant. That brings us to our final question. The often dreaded. Claire, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would you take? You know, see, I was thinking about this last night, and I don't want to sound like an English major snob, because um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I need, I need a book that is long to keep me entertained. And then I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, but like, you know, Don Quixote, Ulysses, I enjoy reading them, but not that much. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, a lot of my other books I can read in like f- four to six hours. Like, you know, that all of my romance novels, I'll read it in an afternoon. I, you know, that's hard to keep you entertained for days on end. So yeah. I, um, and then there's the like shortcut way out of picking a nonfiction book of like how to build a boat. Um <laughs> So I think, I think what I landed on was, um, Twelfth Night or A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. And again, this still makes me sound like an English major snob, but the reason (laughs) is, is because a, those plays are both like, so like they're comedies, they're very fun. Um, but also I, that way I could memorize all the parts, which I think would be fairly time consuming. (laughs) <laughs> so you, someone would come to rescue you and you'd seem like a complete mad person <laughs> as you acted out all the parts of the play <laughs> i think i'd be i'd be ready to you know book broadway like i'd be ready to work on the west end one man so. show <laughs> that's great you know. I, I love that i love those choices i love both those plays yeah. and i mean there's a reason shakespeare is like so iconic and you know i like i there are problems with Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare, but I, I remember, um, in college, a professor saying that a Midsummer Night's Dream was his favorite. And, you know, I, 
I agreed with him and I couldn't figure out why I agreed with him until he said, every time I read this and I read this year after year, I always discover something new. And I was like, that's kind of the fun part about it is that there's always like a new little tidbit. There's something new to garner from it. Um, and a lot of, you know, I, I went to NYU, but literally all of my friends from college, nearly all of them are actors. Um, so I have seen either them in productions or other people in productions of a Midsummer Night's Dream or just other, <laughs> like I've seen so many productions of so many shows, but it is endlessly entertaining to see what you can do with a sh- with any sort of kind of piece of media that is no longer under copyright. Oh yeah. So there, there's something so, so entertaining about being like, I'm going to mess with this. Um, one of my friends was in a production of a Midsummer Night's Dream, but it was all like industrial and, and like coal minery. And I don't, again, I, she would better describe what it was. I just remember seeing her covered in like coal miner grime and stuff, which was obviously makeup, but, but it was such a cool set. And I remember yeah. thinking like, this was kind of not done before version of a Midsummer Night's Dream. So. Amazing. And that, I mean, that brings us all the way back down to the, when we were talking about submissions, you've seen all these different Midsummer Night's Dream interpretations, which are the same, but different, just like you were talking about when you read through submissions. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. You're kind of looking for the one that sweeps you off your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, I love those choices. Uh, no one's picked those yet, so happy to add those to the to the to the Desert Island Library. And um, thank you so much, Claire. How is it that a bunch of UK agents haven't picked any Shakespeare? They've picked Shakespeare, right? <laughs> I, I think I, I, Shakespeare has been picked. It's but never a Midsummer Night's Dream or Twelfth Night. Do they not like comedies? Is is that the <laughs> is that the issue? They're like, oh, we like all of the tragedies. We're gonna read Hamlet and ghost stories over and over again. That's it. We just want Hamlet. We're very, very, very depressed people over here in the UK. We just want Hamlet and Othello, <laughs> Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Claire, for coming yeah. on and uh, sharing your experience uh, through publishing and and your joy with us. Yeah, happy to do it. It's been really, it's been really fun. And it's finally spring here. So I'm, everyone is like, go outside today. We can see the sun. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for that, that little Amazing. bit of sun. That's very relatable in the UK as well. As soon as the sun <laughs> peaks out, shorts on t-shirts outside <laughs> yes. for five minutes and then it's gone again. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> for everyone listening to keep up with everything that Claire's doing, you can follow on socials at Draper underscore Claire. I definitely recommend uh, if you do follow on TikTok, you can learn about why there are blank pages at the end of your books. I'm not going to spoil it, so go follow Claire. And if you're thinking of submitting, do head over to the Bent Agency website and make sure you read through all of the guidelines so that you do it in the correct way. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK and on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to Claire and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.